Today I want to talk about a fundamental concept in the understanding of grace, the mystery of living without sin. I have a mountain of scripture to share today, so let's get started. If there is an argument that inflames the soul of a religionist, it is precisely the affirmation that God has forgiven the believer all sins past, present and future. Hence the believer, in actual facts, can no longer sin. To the stake, to the stake, stone him, stone him, heresy, heresy. Oh, one thing that I would very much like to happen in these sad religious disputes and that I ask regularly is that all the brothers and sisters who find the idea of complete forgiveness, eternal life, immeasurable love, and unbeatable grace unacceptable would consider for just a moment the enormity of the scriptural evidence I put on my posts, writing my books, and publishing my videos. If only they stopped for a moment, just a moment, and asked themselves, but wait, what Mario says are not just his opinions, it is scripture. Maybe I'd do well to check them before discarding everything he says, just because I've always been told different. But unfortunately, this does not happen, because just as Paul said 2,000 years ago, in 2 Corinthians 4, 3 and 4, if our gospel is still veiled, it is veiled for those who perish in whom the God of this age has blinded the minds of those who do not believe, so that the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, may not shine upon them. And for a strange reason that I have not been able to understand for 40 years of ministry, the majority of Christians prefer a God judge who seeks a thousand excuses to send you to hell, rather than a merciful father who seeks one simple reason, to let you into heaven. Well, I don't know. <laughs> it is really a strange gospel that maintains that you are saved by grace through faith, not by works, that no, lest anyone should boast. And then adds that if you dare to commit a sin, though, God weighs your works <laughs> and takes your salvation away. Crazy. No. As I stated in some previous videos, if you want to preach the true gospel, don't add anything. Don't distort anything. Just announce what, was, what has happened. It is finished. The battle has been won. The war is over. And our king has triumphed. That, and only that, is the true gospel. Oh, my last post on Facebook that caused an uproar was saying that I can lose my salvation due to sin is like saying that the gospel got worse after my conversion, which is perfectly true, because if before the conversion I could have been a pedophile, drug addict, murderer, swindler, and adulterer, and God forgave me, now that I'm converted, if I keep telling lies, God takes my salvation away and throws me out of the house. Exactly the opposite of what Paul states in Romans 5, 8 to 10, from the Living Bible. That says God showed his great love for us by sending Christ to die for us while we were still sinners. 
and since by his blood he did all this for us as sinners, how much more will he do for us now that he has declared us not guilty? Now, he will save us from all of God's wrath to come. And since when we were his enemies, we were brought back to God by the death of his son, what blessings he must have for us now that we are his friends and he's living within us. So, let's see if I can untangle this bundle of traditions and false doctrines that have kept believers in chains and fears for, for, for centuries. Oh, how can I be sinless since I sin every day? A part, of course, from the religion is clearly as they, as we all know, never sin. The Apostle John makes a breathtaking statement in 1 John 3, 9. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin. Because the seed of God dwells in him, he cannot sin because he is born of God. <laughs> My John, how can you say such a thing? Please note that John does not say he does not sin. Which could also mean that the person tries his best and manages to behave well. No, he says he cannot sin. Wow, he cannot? And what is it that prevents him from committing sin? The seed of God. In other words, there is something inside of him that even if he were to fall into sin, prevents him from touching from sin, touching his purity. There is a product in South Africa called Scotch Guard. This product, you all know, is applied to the fabric of furniture to ensure that it does not stain. It is a liquid that makes armchairs and sofas waterproof so that coffee, wine, or tomato sauce cannot penetrate the fabric and ruin it. In other words, it falls on it but slips away. Just like the blood of Christ, the divine and supernatural liquid that makes us impervious to sin and impenetrable from sin. But let me explain. John says that the seed of God through which we are born again prevents us from sinning. Yet, we know well, we sin every day. So what is it in us that does not sin? I would like to ask you a question that I'm sure will light the fuse of many religionists ready to explode. And the question is this. Jesus was, is, and will forever be sinless because he never sinned or because he was born this way? Think carefully before you answer. Before you answer. Let me give you an example. What was Jesus' favorite day to help the sick or to heal the sick? Saturday, right? Ha-ha, sin. According to the Torah, the Jewish law, nothing could be done on a Sabbath day, including healing someone. Just as Luke 6, 6-7 states, Now it happened on another Sabbath that he entered the synagogue and taught. Now there was a man whose right hand was dry, and the Pharisees and scribes were watching him if he healed him on the Sabbath so that they could accuse him. And they, they, they took up Exodus 31.15, obviously, six days you will work, but the seventh day is the Sabbath day of rest, sacred to the Lord. Whoever does any work on the Sabbath day will be put to death. Wow. Worse, in, one, in John 5.12, Jesus commands a paralytic to disobey the law by pulling up his bed on the Sabbath, on the Sabbath day. Sin. What does he do? Basically, he tells the, the, the paralytic, before I heal your legs, i got to heal your head. You're still stuck with the religion. You're still stuck with the law. You're still stuck with the traditions. Now, I need to change that. So pick up your bed. And basically, Jesus tells him to disobey, to break the law, to break the Torah. Sin. In Exodus 29.9, God declares without the slightest, the slightest shadow of a doubt 
that the priesthood will forever belong to the sons of Levi. It says, take, take the anointing oil and pour it on Aaron's head, anointing him. Then bring his sons, the Levites, put tunics on them and gird them with sashes and set, set hats on them. The priesthood is upheld by law and is permanent. In Hebrews 3.1, instead, clearly, the Bible says that Jesus is, is our high priest. And Jesus, as we all know, was part of the tribe of Judah, not Levi. Oops. Obviously, he cannot enter the most holy place unless he descends from the tribe of Levi. Sin. <laughs> In the three synoptic gospels, Jesus enters the temple and whips the merchants and money changers, overturns their tables and creates a great uproar. I don't think all this is very loving, nor do I think it happened without some improper and interesting insults. At Matthew 5:22, Jesus says, whoever gets angry with his brother for no reason will be subject to judgment. And whoever says to him, you fool, Greek word moros, will be subjected to the fire of Gehenna. Yet he himself, Jesus himself in Matthew 23, 17 and 19, says fools and blind, the same words used in Matthew 5, moros, to the Pharisees who insulted him. In Matthew 8, 3, Jesus, a Jewish rabbi, who must by law keep himself clean, touches a leper. He cannot do that. In John 7:10, Jesus first says that he would not go to a festival in Judea, but then secretly he does the opposite. But when his brothers went up to the feast, then he went up too, not blatantly, but as if it, as it were, in secret. Now, did Jesus just lie? And many other times where Jesus does things that in the eyes of the Torah could certainly have been considered to be sin. Yet Jesus was, is, and forever will be the perfect Lamb of God, forever without blemish and eternally without sin. So, so just as Jesus was born without an Adamic seed in his body and therefore completely pure, totally sanctified and eternally immaculate, Nothing he did after such a birth could ever have changed his eternal position of perfect sacrifice before God. Similarly, each of us who is born again from above by grace through faith is seen by God as completely pure, totally sanctified and eternally immaculate. Immaculate. Just like Jesus. We are not sinless because we do not sin, but we are sinless because we are born of the seed of God. Let's read Luke 1 from 30 to 35 from our version of the Gospels called The Announcement, Volume 2. Don't be afraid, Mary. God has a wonderful plan for the salvation of mankind, and you are an integral part of it. You will become pregnant and give birth to a male child whom you will call Jesus. Jesus will be born from your womb, but he will be the son of the Most High. The Lord God will assign him the throne of David, his ancestor, and as the Son of God, Jesus will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His reign will be endless. Now, listen, Mary frowned for a moment and asked the angel, but how can this be? How can I have a baby? I'm a virgin. Gabriel replied, you will receive conception directly from the Holy Spirit on high, who will cover you with his power. And that is why your son will be perfectly holy, because he will be the Son of God. Now, perfectly holy because he will be the Son of God. Perfect holiness is achieved through the divine DNA of the Father, not through behavior. Now, as far as we're concerned, Galatians 3.26 says, You are all children of God through faith in Christ Jesus. John 1.12, To all who have received him, Jesus Christ has given authority to become children of God. 
that is to those who believe in his name. John 3, 6 and 7 says, what is born of the flesh is flesh, but what is born of the spirit is spirit. Don't be surprised, Jesus said to Nicodemus, if I told you, you must be born again. In the Greek, genao anothen, James 1, 17, every good thing and every perfect thing comes from above, anothen, and descends literally from the Father's light, of lights. 1 John 1, 5, 1, whoever believes that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. So, just as we have seen when John states, whoever is born of God does not commit sin, because the seed of God dwells in him and cannot sin because he's born of God. In other words, the sins of believers have been forgiven through the blood of Christ. Hebrews 19.22 says, without the shedding of blood, there is no forgiveness of sin. The blood shed on the cross once and for all. Just as Colossians 2.13-14 says, because of your sins and your old corrupted nature, in fact, you, you were as good as dead, but God made you live again with Christ. He forgave all of your sins, all of your sins, all of your sins, Greek, Italian, South African, Afrikaans, all means all, by eliminating the indictment against us, the list of commandments that we did not keep. Now, God got rid of the accusations against us, against us, nailing them to the cross of Christ. Every sin, everything that we've ever done, God has nailed to the cross of Christ. Hence, how many sins had you committed when Jesus went to the cross? Not one, right? So what sins has God forgiven you? All the ones you would have ever committed in your entire life. Okay, hold back. Hold on, Selah, pause. Stop and think about it slowly. How many things had you committed when Jesus went to the cross? None, right? So what sins did God forgive you? All the ones you would have ever committed in your life to come. Okay, <laughs> stop again. Selah, again, pause again and think again. Is what I just said true or not? And if it's true, and undoubtedly it is, as a matter of very, very, very simple logic. When has God forgiven all your sins? When the divine lamb was, was sacrificed on the cross, right? John 1, 29, behold the lamb, the lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So I ask you, again, how many sins had you committed when Jesus, the perfect lamb of God, was sacrificed? Not one. So what sins did he pay for? For all those you would have committed in your life. There is no escape, my love. I challenge you to deny this claim. I challenge you to deny this claim. That's why a son of God cannot sin, because this son of God has already forgiven him of all sins. Your spirit has been washed, sanctified, and justified in the name of the Lord Jesus and by the Spirit of our God. Just like Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, 11, and sin can never touch you again. All sin can do in your life is make it miserable and depressing. Yes, because the consequences of sin are lethal and your life will be miserable and depressing if you don't stop. I close with a statement from Romans 6, 1 to 3. I would wholeheartedly ask you to read the whole chapter. This is from the Living Bible. It says, shall we keep on sinning so that God can keep on showing us more and more kindness and forgiveness? Of course not. I mean, it doesn't take an Einstein 
to say that? Of course not. Should we keep on sinning because we don't have to? For sin's power over us was broken when we became Christians and were baptized to become part of Jesus Christ through his death. The power of your sinful nature was shattered with the death of Christ. You have been recreated, allergic to sin, and your new nature rebels against any of its forms. Because your new nature is the nature of God. That is why you cannot sin, because you are a child of God. Just as Jesus was sinless by birth and not by behavior, I think I proved that. So too I am without sin, not because I behave well, but because God has recreated me without sin forever. And I know it is a difficult concept to digest, given all the lies that have been fed to us over the centuries. But I encourage you to watch and re-watch this video, check and double-check the scriptures, absorb the spirit of revelation, and finally consider the possibility that what the Apostle Paul said is indeed actually true. Whoever is born of God does not commit sin, because the seed of God dwells in him and cannot sin because he's born of God. A big hug.